the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Tuesday, June the 23rd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 23, 1888, abolitionist Frederick Douglass, he received one vote from the Kentucky delegation at the Republican Convention in Chicago. That effectively made him the first black candidate to have his name placed in nomination for U.S. president, not Barack Obama. Barack Obama became the first black president, but Frederick Douglass was the first black person to be nominated for U.S. president. The nomination went to Benjamin Harrison. Today in 1868, Christopher Latham Scholes, he received a patent for his typewriter. That's what he called it, two different, two separate words. It featured the Quarity keyboard. It was the first commercially successful typewriter. I thought you needed to know that. And for those of you under 40, a typewriter is a thing that we used to have that had keys on it. It's kind of like your iPhone, but it's different. Today in 1904, President Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, was nominated for a second term of office at the Republican National Convention in Chicago. Teddy Roosevelt is, of course, now being discussed. He's either going to be destroyed, the statue of Teddy Roosevelt, or they're going to hide him in a warehouse. They're deciding today what to do with him because he's not a good person, according to the left. Today in 1938, the Civil Aeronautics Authority was established, the CAA, Today, in 1947, the Senate joined the House in overriding President Harry S. Truman's veto of the Taft-Hartley Act. It was designed to limit the power of organized labor. Today, in 1969, Warren Burger was sworn in as Chief Justice of the United States by the man he was succeeding, Earl Warren. And today, in 1972, President Nixon, he signed Title IX, something we've heard about a lot about recently. He signed Title IX, barring discrimination on the basis of sex for, quote, any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Title IX has now been inverted, like most things are by the left. It's now being abused and used to abuse others by so-called transsexuals. Boys are calling themselves girls and competing against girls in track, in particular, when we used to have sporting events. Richard Nixon probably had no idea where that would go. I think the intent was well-placed, but the outcome, you never know what people can do. We can pervert truth. We can pervert everything from the Founding Fathers and their comments. Thomas Jefferson was assuring the church that they had, the Founders had built a wall of separation so that the government could never fiddle around with the church. The church was safe from the government. They didn't have to worry about the government intruding into the church. 
That's what that meant. Today, it's been turned on its head. And the church has been beaten into submission in too many cases by a lie. But if it's quoted often enough and misrepresented often enough, I guess it becomes truth. It has to too many. Today, 1995, Dr. Jonas Salk, he developed the first polio vaccine. He died in La Jolla, California. He was 80, 80 years old. Very difficult times. I'm going to be talking about some treacherous things that are going on in our culture today, but I want to tell you, it's all done in the context that Donald Trump is not in charge, nor is Joe Biden. They are major players, the president in particular. Congress is not in charge. God is in control. You can rest in that. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 27, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Today is a tough time to wait or be of good courage, but the Bible says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 33, there's an interesting verse. I think it's was written for their time. It's written for our time as well. In fact, I believe it was written for today, for you, right now. I'm going to share it with you. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, destroy them. Well, that wouldn't be very politically correct today, would it? But it is God's word for today. All of God's word is inspired, infallible. It is the final authority. So the final authority says, God is your refuge. And underneath you, he has placed his everlasting arms. For those of you over 40, remember a long time ago, if you grew up in church as I did, we used to sing songs like leaning, leaning. I don't know if I can remember the words or not, but I, I, I knew all these words my whole life of all these songs we used to sing. On the everlasting arms, what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on. Well, that's what that was about. And here we are all these years later, going back to God's truth. And we are going to lean on the everlasting arms. God's going to take care of things. But he's going to ask us to participate. And I think part of my participation is that God has called me to do what I'm doing right now. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. And I know you understand, those of you who are Christians. Sometimes we look at what's going on in our culture and everything from Teddy Roosevelt to Jackson to now the White House and the church across the street from the White House is being attacked last night. Even Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima is no longer useful. So they're getting rid of her. But the interesting part of that is, is that Aunt Jemima's great-great-grandson says, wait a minute. He said, you can't erase my history, my family history. So now the blacks are saying, well, wait a minute. This isn't about Black Lives Matter. You're erasing my history to his black comrades. He said, you can't do that. 
But the force of this whole movement is causing major corporations like Quaker Oats, who owns Aunt Jemima, <laughs> to say, yeah, we can. We, we just want to be politically correct. We want to show the world that we are virtuous. We call it, in today's vernacular, virtue signaling. We want everybody to know that we are a company of virtue. So away with Aunt Jemima. I'm going to come back to that in a moment and tell you a little bit about it. Why are these people, why do they have so much power? What do they really want? This whole movement, this thing that is taking over Seattle, now they're trying to set up a a zone that matches that in Washington, D.C. Trump came out this morning and said, no, you're not. He said, I'm not going to let you. We're not going to become Seattle and Washington, D.C. What do they really believe? They have become the most political movement in America. It's not really anymore just about Black Lives Matter. Maybe it was at some point, but it's not now. It's a political movement that is seeking to undermine the very foundations of this nation and take it down. So, well, I, Gary, I, I think you're a little extreme there. Well, maybe not. I did a little research. I do a lot of research for this program. If you're going to support us, and by the way, I want to thank you for supporting Yes, If you're going to support us, we try to show up with do our best every day on the program and give you some information and some inspiration. But I did a little research, a short but wide-ranging 2015 interview. 2015. Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors, she revealed in an interview with uh, Real News Network, it's called, she said this, and I these, this is a quote from her. She revealed that many of those within the movement, including herself and the co-founder, a, a, another woman, she said, we consider ourselves to be trained Marxist. That's a quote. This was the founders of Black Lives Matter. In a moment of discussion regarding the lack of ideological direction, this person on this new real news network was asking them, well, it seems like this, keep in mind, this was five years ago. They were saying, it seems like you guys are, don't have any direction or organization. You, it just seems like you're out there, you know, making a lot of noise and nobody's really paying that much attention to you five years ago. What do you really want? She said, myself and Alicia, that would be Garza, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, she said, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. She said, we are trained Marxist. We are super versed on sort of ideological theories. Those are the founders, the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. So it's not surprising when we begin to realize that this movement is using the Black Lives Matter movement but they're also trying to touch every part of society. They are Marxists to the core. And they are, tra- I mean, that's their words, not mine. Protesters in Washington, D.C. are attempting to set up their own Black House. That's what they call it, Black House Autonomous Zone, right in front of the White House. As they clash with police, they tried to topple Andrew Jackson statue in Lafayette Park just Last night, 
Tensions are escalating in the capital. Last night, authorities stopped them from organizing. They were trying to topple Andrew Jackson. They couldn't get the guy to fall down. I mean, they couldn't get him off his pedestal. The police moved in. Authorities moved in. They stopped them. Trump has put out some orders. But that church, remember that church where Trump walked across the street the other here a couple of weeks ago and he stood there and held the Bible? They had been in there. The, the domestic terrorists had been in there and they had uh, they had started a fire in one of the rooms in the church. It had been put out. The historic structure had not been uh, harmed, fortunately. But the intent was to destroy it. They started fire in there. So Trump walked across a few days ago. He, he, they're still criticizing him for doing this. He walked across there and held up a Bible and stood in front of the church to make a statement. And they called it a photo op. Well, it was a photo op, and he was trying to make a statement. But everybody's trying to make a statement. His statement was that he was standing for the church and for the Bible and so on. So anyway, this same church, now last night they were painting this B-H-A-Z on the pillars in front of the church. They were modeling, they are trying to model Seattle on the pillars of St. John's Episcopal Church. This morning, the president has vowed that he will never allow leftists to set up, these are his words, an autonomous zone in Washington, D.C. He said there will never be an autonomous zone in Washington, D.C. as long as I'm your president. He said, if they try, they will be met with serious force. He was saying this after they were trying to take down Andrew Jackson in Lafayette Park. That's that park right across the street from the, or just basically across from the White House where this St. John's church is. Park police moved in with riot gear last night, pepper spray. They did what they had to do. They removed the people. They pushed them back. But Trump also has taken an executive order, which he has the right to do as president. And he said this last night and again this morning. He said, I've authorized the federal government to arrest anyone who vandalizes or destroys any monument, statue, or other such federal property in the U.S. with up to 10 years in prison per the Veterans Memorial Preservation Act. He said this action is taken effective immediately but may also be used retroactively for destruction of or vandalism already caused. There will be no exceptions. Those are the days we live in. But note, as I did when I read this this morning, Trump is the only elected official that's really taking a stand against this. Even the Republicans are just, for the most part, are getting silent. Not all, but too many of them are just getting silent. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to confront it. And the liberal, Jenny Jenny Durkin, the mayor of Seattle, just two weeks ago was calling this cesspool of insanity, calling it a summer of love. She was talking about hate Ashbury and, boy, these people. They don't even know what they're doing. They have no sense of direction. The progressive, they're just kind of finding the wind and going with it, putting the wind in their sails, and let's see where this takes us. They're trying to erase history and just guess what the future will be. Speaking on Fox News this morning, President Trump spoke to them for a few minutes ago. I pulled the transcript of what he said. I'm not going to share all of it with you. I mean, it's there's quite a bit here, but 
This morning he said, I don't like all this. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. He, he repeats himself, as you probably noticed. But he said, now on the federal, I've stopped it. I've stopped the federal. But the states are, a lot of states are weak. A lot of people are weak. And they're allowing it to happen. He said, you have to understand history. You have to understand the culture and so many other aspects of our country. He said, and people can study slavery and they can hate it. Let's all hate it. But he said, you can't take down George Washington's statue. He said, half the country is named after George Washington. He said, we have to remember the heritage, the, the culture of our country. And last night, talking to someone else at Fox, he said this, and I, I noted that on the news last night. He said, you see Ulysses S. Grant, where they want to take him down. He's the one that stopped the ones that everybody dislikes so much. <clears throat> it's a disgrace. Also remember some of this is great artwork, this ma- magnificent artwork. And he talked about the artwork for a while. But th- there seems to be no no real essential line of thinking here. There is no real... Uh, objective thinking. It's just all subjective. Well, I feel this way. I feel that way. And that's not just these people running the streets and burning and breaking and destroying and erasing history to the best of their ability. It isn't just those people. It's our elected officials. Back in Seattle, they just stand there while they're getting killed. Now Jenny Durkin is coming out, the mayor of Seattle. She's coming out and saying, well, we're going to begin to incrementally wind this down. Sure you are, lady. Those people that are killing people inside this so-called utopia that you allowed to happen, sure, they're just going to cooperate with you and they're, you're going to wind this down peacefully and live happily ever after. That's as crazy as letting them set it up in the first place. And even us people like me that grew up on a orchard. We know that. Why don't they? They've chosen a different path. It doesn't matter what it is. Everything falls into the basket now of Black Lives Matter. Everything. Everything is seen through the lens of Black Lives Matter. And I read you the words of the co-founders just a few moments ago. They are highly trained in Marxism. That's their words, not mine. So that's what we're facing today in Spokane. A guy, Tom Sawyer Coffee. he said the other day, and I got to tell you up front, I don't know him, I've never met him, but there are people that support this ministry that send me a little coffee once in a while, and it's Tom Sawyer Coffee. It's great. I love it. Hey, I'm out. But the guy that owns Tom Sawyer Coffee has been around Spokane for years. Everybody that lives around there knows about it. He made some comments on his Facebook he said, white lives matter. Let's see how long it takes Facebook to take this down. Well, it didn't take very long. He went on to say in his post, he said, I will never kneel down and apologize for being white. Boy, he shouldn't have said that because that doesn't fit. So they've come after him now. Buy some Tom Sawyer guy is really good. But it doesn't matter what people it, it doesn't matter what people say or think. It just all falls into this basket of, well, Hillary Clinton called us deplorables. And they really believe that. That is what they think. If you don't agree with their philosophy, their ideology, and you never can quite figure out what it is anyway, because it keeps changing. But if you don't embrace that, then you become a deplorable. And that's what we're seeing play out in our nation today. It's very sad. 
whether it's tearing down George Washington and burning the statue, throwing them in ponds when they can find them. Really, they are. You know that. Or whether it's Aunt Jemima, just a bottle of Aunt Jemima syrup. It all falls into the basket. Oh, it doesn't matter that whether what color you are. Not really. It's a political movement. Keep that in mind as you watch the news. Be informed, but don't be misinformed. The Quaker Oats Company said they're going to remove this image. They said, and I'm quoting Quaker Oats, as we work to make progress toward racial equality through several initiatives. How does, how does taking something that everybody in America grew up looking at on their breakfast table, Aunt Jemima syrup, probably just sugar and water anyway, but I mean, everybody saw that. I did. I really liked it. I still do. I probably eat too much of it. But she's scheduled to be gone by Christmas. There's a story behind Aunt Jemima. She was a real person. And now her real great-great-grandson is saying, wait a minute. Yes, he's black, and so was she, of course. But he's saying, wait a minute, you can't do this to me. I don't care what you do to the other people. He didn't say that, but he, he might be thinking that. But don't do this to me. Nancy Green was hired in 1893, actually, to just take a look back, to serve pancakes at Chicago's World Fair. Green wore an apron, a headscarf, while serving the pancakes. She wore it until she died in 1923. The pancake thing kind of caught on. So Anna Short Harrington eventually was hired to replace Green. She was born on a South Carolina plantation where her family worked as sharecroppers. In 1927, a white family from New York bought her. They paid for her to come and live with them. But they said, you can go ahead and do other work, too, to make extra money if you want to. So she made money as a cook at the Kappa Sigma Fraternity House in Syracuse. And she worked some for New York Governor Thomas Dewey. And she kept making pancakes. She knew what she was doing. She was very good at it. It was there that a Quaker Oats representative kind of took a look at this and said, hey, we need to brand this. And it was Harrington who Quaker Oats promoted as the iconic Aunt Jemima. There were others that became Aunt Jemimas, just like there's not only one Ronald McDonald. There's a whole bunch of them. Well, there were a whole bunch of Aunt Jemimas. Not a whole bunch, but there were quite a few in history. But Harrington was the Aunt Jemima whom they uh, celebrated, they, they promoted. In fact, the company, the uh, company of Quaker Oats Center around the country, <clears throat> she would showcase pancakes, and they sold all kinds of Quaker Oat pancake mix and syrup. But it's a brand that America fell in love with. Aunt Jemima, a.k.a. Anna Short Harrington. So her grandson, Larnell Evans Sr., he's now saying, wait a minute, you guys can't throw my aunt out. That's our, our, our legacy. That's our family legacy. He said, and I'm quoting him just recently, he said, this is an injustice for me and my family. This is part of my history, the racism they talk about using images of slavery that comes from the other side, white people. He said, the company profits off images of our slavery, and their answer is to erase my great-grandmother's history, a black female. He said, it really hurts. Well, I'm sure it does. He said they also used her pancake recipe and never paid for it. 
Evans, Evans and a nephew filed a suit back in 2014 seeking $3 billion from Quaker Oats for not paying royalties, but they couldn't afford a lawyer, so they represented themselves in court. Evans is now a 66-year-old former Marine Corps veteran. He's living on disability in North Carolina. He and his nephew, as I said, represented themselves, and the court, the court ruled that they didn't have standing in the case, so they didn't have the right to, to sue. They didn't have standing. So Quaker Oats had done, there's a lot to that, but the fact is they didn't they they weren't they didn't inherit the right they said to bring the case to court they needed a lawyer they couldn't afford one but quaker oats acknowledges that yes they said we did make a lot of money off those images but now it's time to move on as progressives always do i don't think evans is quite ready to move on though he is vowing he's talking to every press person he can find now that'll talk to him but ironically the press who is so all in on black lives matter his black life doesn't matter quite as much and they're tending to run away from the guy because they don't want to publish what he's saying it just doesn't fit the narrative so some black lives matter it's kind of the same as the unborn black babies that planned parenthood builds their clinics in their neighborhood so they can kill exponentially more black babies unborn than white or other colored babies. But that doesn't, you never, that doesn't seep into the narrative. They are blasting from the rooftops. All of this about, we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to kneel. Tom Sawyer also said he would never kneel before anyone in that controversial post. People are trying to put him out of business now. So, Anyway, buy his coffee. I don't want him to go out of business. I like his coffee personally. I don't know. I, as I said, I don't know him, but I, I really like his coffee. It's, it's good, really good. But if it doesn't fit the narrative, then they don't. They won't report. It's got to fit the box, the basket. It's got to fit the narrative, the line, the talk, the checkpoints. That's how Marxist trained his people. And the two that co-founded Black Lives Matter, in their own words, said we are highly trained in Marxism. Somebody's asking now, besides Harrington, who gives these people the right to do that? I wrote an article today. It includes Aunt Jemima, but it also includes Mike Pence, the vice president. He got really pressed hard in Philadelphia on Channel 6 News there just the other day. They said, why don't you ever say Black Lives Matter outside? He never says that. He never uses that phrase. He always says all lives matter. Well, clearly, the vice president is including every color race in the life of an unborn. Anybody that went to Sunday school when they were a kid, when we used to have Sunday school, per se, they know the little chorus, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. What are they? They're precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little. Mike Pence is just responding. He said, all lives matter. We thought they did until the Black Lives Matter movement started. So they kept pressing him and pressing them, and he gives a very uh, articulate and very spiritual answer. And that's in an article that I wrote today, included with the Aunt Jemima thing, at faithandfreedom.us. Let me say thank you for your support of this ministry. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. 
Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Every day we try to touch on the most important issues of that day. That's why we originate live on this program. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow.